1: Welcome, gentlemen, and welcome to Productivity Cast. And this week, I'm really excited. We're going to have a little bit of a debate about something that I have thought about for a long time, which is are productivity systems that bundle all of their pieces together, what I call all in one productivity systems, do they set you up to be more productive or not? And I have my uh, esteemed uh, colleagues here uh, to have that debate for us to figure out for you what we believe will help make you more productive with all of your tools mashed together or them apart. And so what we'll do is kind of define what an all-in-one productivity system is. What are the tools that, that make up that, um, that space? Uh, just, you know, describing or giving you a list of the, the available tools. Um, and then we will talk about the realities of working with a tool that bundles together all of the various pieces of your productivity system. So let's start with what is an all-in-one productivity system. In my perspective, an all-in-one productivity system has at its core the pieces that you would have typically seen on, say, a Palm Pilot back in the day. And for those of you young enough not to know what a Palm Pilot is, uh, it included tasks, contacts, calendar, and notes. And Today, we have a wide variety of tools that include some other pieces that are now foundational to our productivity systems, such as email or another messaging app or those kinds of things. And so uh, that's, that's, for me, what an all-in-one productivity system is. How about you, gentlemen? How do you see an all-in-one
2: productivity system? What are the, what are the foundational pieces uh, beyond those? Um, way back in the day when smartphones were just becoming really popular, I wrote an article and I, I think I even gave a speech on what's the big deal about having a smartphone because I didn't have one. And my my argument was that <laughs> you didn't need one if all you were doing was basically accumulating features that you could walk around with a knapsack full of different products, and the different products would basically approximate the way you were using your smartphone. It's just a matter of convenience. And I made a whole argument that convenience is not the same as productivity. That saving a second here or there because you can flip over to an app is not the same as being more productive. It's, it's easier, but it's not more productive. And I think a lot has happened since then uh, to change my mind about that and why I have a smartphone. But when it comes to, to, to collections or suites of apps or features, I think the confusion still exists. That just because you can put Another feature or another app, and and marry it with uh, uh, an overall group of apps, uh, and call it productivity. Doesn't make it more productive. It might make it um, more, like I said, more convenient. It might make it more interesting. It might make it more cool. It might look good when you know you go to the page and you see the description of the product, but. And, and in fact, it may reduce your productivity because it may add to distractions. So, so, so
1: we're, we'll get there, Francis. My, 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 my question to start with, though, is really what are, if, if all of those things are fancy doodads, and we'll come back to that, what, what are the actual pieces that would make something an all-in-one productivity system in your mind?
2: That is, what are the core
1: functions that I, it I needs? Would,
2: I would have to define productivity in different ways then. I would have to say some have to do with task management, and the ones that have to do with task management are only about task management. Some are databases of information like contacts, for example, and they need to be managed differently. And then some are communication uh, devices for sending sending and receiving messages from other people. So your phone, email, instant messaging, um, and that genre. And you can even, if, you, if you're using social media for productive purposes, then I would say that has. But I think they're they are separate. They perform different functions. But I think what, what we all do is we throw them all into one bucket and call them all productivity. And I think that's defeat. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Augusto, agree, disagree. How do you see all-in-one productivity tools?
0: You know, I, I was an a user of the Papilot that's where my productivity start uh we are not going to say when but um as as this the, the evolution of technology came and came to the smartphone i you know even at that time i will i will have disagreed uh with francis and mostly because as i agree that it's not for everyone my lifestyle at that time it was pretty mobile i was traveling 250,000 miles at a time, and having the advantage of uh, an I, a device like that made really, really a difference for me. So, that said, I'm going to agree with Francis, it has nothing to do with the device or the number of tools if you can be productive with them. Even I today recommend people who spend most of their time in their office to remove email out of their smartphones. So, it comes back to how your, what can make you more effective? In my opinion, buckets make you more effective. Being able to separate and disconnect from these buckets as you are doing things, disconnect from the email as you're doing tasks and you're doing project thinking helps, in my opinion, than when you have everything on one convoluted. I was an Outlook user long, 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 long time ago. And is there an advantage of having everything there synchronize and sync and all that? Yes. Will I want that back into my world? Probably not.
1: Well, you bring up the juggernaut in the space of all-in-one productivity tools, and that is Microsoft Outlook. And they have been developing Outlook for many years. Outlook was launched in what seems to be uh, January of 1997 by Microsoft. And it was a way to bundle together the email functions with the rest of the time management tools that Microsoft was uh, was you know using in its other programs, and so you had calendar, you had task, you had a journal, uh, and you had all of these other disparate to me pieces that were kind of bundled into the interface, uh, and so that became that became Outlook. And what I want to uh, go through right now is kind of an overview of the other tools that actually exist out there and um, give a kind of compare and contrast for what those tools are. And, um, and gentlemen, feel free to jump in and give your thoughts on any of these as I make my way through these. So as I said, first and foremost, we have we have Microsoft Outlook. In that um, specific space, which is an application that you download on your desktop, and then you have a, a, a one interface that includes all of these tools... Is Thunderbird, which is primarily an email client, and uses add-ons or extensions to give more functionality. So, for example, Thunderbird, you can add a calendar by installing Sunbird, uh, which is a which is you know another application, but it has an extension that connects that piece into it and other pieces um, of the puzzle into the interface. You then have. Uh, what was Lotus Notes and then became IBM Notes and now is known as HCL Notes. Uh, and so that's the enterprise tool that IBM, uh, you know, and, and others uh, use internally. Of course, of greatest note is uh, David Allen, who continues to use it with eProductivity, And so that that's another one of those all-in-one productivity systems. And much of this really seems to be an, an issue of, of I'll, I'll just cut that out. Then um, then we go into the kind of next level of enterprise, which are more business-specific tools. And so I wanted to just survey some of these other tools that exist out there. One is a tool called Time Matters. And Time Matters is a tool that is primarily used in the legal environment, in, in the law office management environment, but can be used in any business. And what it does is it helps you collect together all of the disparate pieces of your office productivity as it relates to managing uh, legal cases, but it also has billing built into it it has it has really like all of the functions you can think of uh, back in the uh, mid 90s I was a time matters consultant and so I spent a lot of time uh, teaching law firms how to use time matters and it's a fantastic tool and I'm actually quite surprised more people don't know it exists and uh, again uh, it's it's just one of those tools that is incredibly flexible. You can you can manipulate it to all of your uh, various needs and so on and so forth. Uh, then there's a tool called Seventeen Hats. Seventeen Hats is more of a small business uh, workflow style productivity suite, and so you have various pieces of the the business structure built into it. So it's not just productivity for the sake of it. It has productivity with the sake of delivering. Your services to clients, and so it has invoicing built into it, and it has project management tools built into it, and it has uh, customer service—I'm uh, sorry, customer relationship management tools built into it. And so it's a—it's a kind of this all-in-one productivity suite, primarily for business. Uh, and then the same thing applies to the next one, which is the Freshworks suite. And so Freshworks is a bundle—a uh, suite of products that includes web chat, so you can put web, uh, put online. Uh, messaging onto your website so clients can communicate with you through your website. It has a CRM built into it. It has a sales functionality uh, built into it as marketing functionality built into it. But the whole idea is that if you're a small business owner, you can use all of these tools and then it helps you manage all of your projects, all of your clients in one interface. And in, in, and it helps you work through all of the pieces that you need to get from A uh, to Z. And uh, it's a really, really powerful tool in that perspective. But I, I bundle that into the all-in-one productivity systems because it's more team and business level than it is individual. Uh, back on the individual project, uh, um, the individual product productivity systems, you then have another class of tools. And these are the tools that actually connect other tools that are not within the same suite of products, but helps you to create an a singular interface for all the various tools that we use out there. Um, The most notable one is a a tool called Station. And Station allows you to be able to take all of the tools you you use today in the web browser, and it helps you to bring that into a singular interface. And so uh, Station allows you to, say, take your Gmail account, your Dropbox account, your Evernote account, your Google Calendar, and puts it all into one application. So, you know, you have a desktop application and you open it up and they're logged into all of them and and it allows you to be able to switch between all of them in that one interface. Think of it as a really sophisticated web browser. And uh, and so that's what Station is. Um, Then there are some competitors to Station, uh, one called Shift. Um, Shift does pretty much the same thing. And then Bella. And uh, Bella is a new one to me and i came across it last week in some research and so bella actually allows you to create different kind of dashboards where you can then take these pieces and uh, i'm sorry take these tools these software these apps and put them into different views so that you're able to work on them in kind of a in a in a in a dashboard kind of perspective so those are the all-in-one productivity system tools that i've seen out there and um, hopefully, you know, you can look at some of them and see if they might work for you. Uh, but this really leads us to our primary discussion, which is, will an all-in-one productivity system-based tool make you more productive? Will it provide you with greater productivity? So I tried, I tried Station a few months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. So hold on one second, Francis. So, Augusto, you had you had an uh, an offering for daylight. Do you want to explain to listeners about what daylight is? Well, th- they're they frozen. I look frozen. You're there now. Okay, you unfrozen.
0: So, there on top of all those, those that you mentioned, there is also one tool, uh, Mac based and an iPad based, called Daylight, and it is a really it's a tool designed for a small business to keep their everything they're invoicing, but it's not really designed for lawyers. It's the one you were mentioning, is just for small business and you can have really an array of projects, teams, calendar, task projects, and everything else in, in a platform. It's Mac-based only uh, with a heavy iPad component, uh, but also bring that idea of all-in-one platform for productivity. So that's, that's another option for, for the people who, who are looking for an all-in-one solution. I, in particular, don't subscribe to an all-in-one solution, but that doesn't mean that it's not powerful and good for other people.
1: Okay, so let's turn to the argument that we started with, Francis, about what, what are some of the detriments to an all-in-one productivity system?
2: Okay, so I, I tried Station a few months ago. And it, it, it seemed to, to offer a certain level of well, something. So I didn't, I didn't analyze it before trying it. I just tried it. And it didn't work for me. Uh, it was not only cumbersome because I was trying to put everything into the single app, but it was, it was in the end, just a, a replication of what I had in my, in my browser. So it it wasn't adding value, It added a tiny bit of convenience, but it also added a, a whole bunch of possible distractions, which makes me think that it, if you're thinking of a productivity, all in one productivity solution, it's tempting to follow the line of thinking that says, oh, look, you have everything in one place and that's what will make the difference. Uh, my experience is that, 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 there are so many unintended consequences of putting everything in one place, such as the ones that I mentioned, i.e. slower speed, um, distractions, that th- there's a deeper level of analysis that's needed. And the one I've settled on lately is to ask myself, "What if I make this change, what defect will it take away? So what I mean by a defect is basically an everyday error. So uh, a, a kind of a mistake. Like, for example, you... Um, decide to call your mother tonight and you arrive at tomorrow morning and you realize that you didn't do it. So that's a defect. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. Or you um, have a deadline and you need to get something done to deliver a product to a client. You missed the deadline. That's another defect. So I, I've started to think in terms of productivity and even apps that I add in terms of and where I locate them and do I put them together on all-in-one solutions, all from the point of view of what defect will this take away, and if it doesn't take away a defect and all it does is add a little bit of convenience, then it doesn't it doesn't reach my standard for adding it. I, I won't add if I can't clearly see the defect I'm trying to address uh, because the defects are very real. The convenience is uh, seductive, kind of implied but not a defect like, uh, here's an example I use uh, often when I think of this, is that smartphones gave us all the convenience in the world, which then led us to kill ourselves off on while driving because now we could drive and text at the same time. So it was following the convenience argument. It gave us all the convenience that we wanted and it led to a defect. So now we had to go back and we haven't actually re-engineered the software or the hardware yet far as I know so we now have laws that stop you from driving and texting at the same time but it hasn't made its way into the design of the actual device itself which is kind of crazy if you think about it but if you follow the defect argument the defect that it introduced was way worse than the little bit of convenience that it added
0: I agree the problem is we are getting we have been getting way too much power without understanding how much power we are getting into the devices you know when we go back to those pen pilots long long time ago okay there were limits on what they could do okay there was some so so little thing so it was really a to certain way a replacement a digital version of that paper agenda you have now you carry really a computer on the phone and you are treating that thing in a certain way as you tread that paper planner 20 years ago, the the evolution of that was too fast for most people to catch up on it. So the integration of the tools, the problem is assumes that you can do everything at the same time and at once, plus you get into the distractions and, and the other things. So I don't think it really gives anybody a powerful solution and a powerful option, what it does is instead make us, all of us, a lot more ineffective Have we carry more unprocessed stuff all together in an app, and we believe that because all is there, we are going to be more effective when, when what is going to make us effective is the fact that we think what it is and what needs to be done and when need to be So I'm
1: going to take some counter views here. Uh, in order to give the other side of, of how people should address this, especially when it comes to your own productivity or others. If I was someone who did not have a lot of experience in training people on productivity, understanding understanding of a productive culture in a, a team or those kinds of things, so this is more on a kind of group productivity space, I would probably institute something like an outlook in the environment, because those people don't actually know what they need. And so having a group of tools that have been built for a vast majority of people, and for the most part works, you know, there's a reason why Outlook is designed the way it is. And it's, there's a reason why huge companies, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 employees are using a tool like Outlook. And for all of the gripes, it's still doing its job it's handling the functions of the the base level productive needs of those people, so I can see that argument, and then you threshold beyond that very baseline and i 'm talking very baseline <laughs> and uh, and then and then outlook outlook becomes um, all but useless in in the face of all of the really phenomenal suite of tools that are available uh, available to us today. We have so many tools that just do email better. We have so many tools that do calendar better. We have so many tools that do task management and project management better that all of a sudden, as you see that suite of tools that you can cherry pick and put together, it becomes very clear that Outlook fails because it's a jack of all trades and an ace of none. Once Once we step above that level, though, and we have the ability to use a tool like Station or Shift or Bella or even to the effect, I, you know, from my perspective, a web browser. A web browser for me is an all-in-one productivity system. It ends up being my omni-tool because I, can, I do everything. All of the tools I need to work are now in the browser. So if in the morning I can have Google Chrome in execute it built into the tool and in, in, in Chrome, I can say to Chrome, you Every morning when I open, open up these tabs, and it's a series of 20 to 30 tabs, and it has all of the applications I use that are all browser-based, and do the job better than Outlook, I am now I now have an interface. I now have an all-in-one productivity system tool that does that for me. It brings all of the tools together. The, the missing component here, though, that really provides value of something like an Outlook or an HCL notes or an IBM Notes type tool is actually the database relationships that are that are involved here. Because my Evernote data is disparate from my Google Calendar data. And this is where having a, a centralized system like Google cal- like a Google account, where Google provides me both on the consumer level and on the business level inside G Suite, it gives me a centralized database where I can now manage the multiple pieces of data and actually use them in other places. For example, in Gmail, I can just click the little side panel and now I have Google Tasks and I can, I can pull in um, Evernote data from the Evernote extension. So what, what, I'm, what I'm seeing here is that we're moving away from potentially the, the all-in-one productivity tool being one tool as someone else creating that tool. And the browser becoming that that interface.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the I was thinking of the the power of Zapier and if this, then that. That they 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 are they they they're becoming increasingly more important, more, power, not, not more powerful. I don't know, but more important because they're doing that that integration that you're talking about. They're they're and that's that's the, the reason why I, I backed off of the smartphone argument the original argument I had, which is why I have a smartphone if you just can carry around app sack of different devices, is that there's a, a database communication, or in other words, there's a communication between the apps in the back end that makes the thing extremely useful as a part of a collection of other apps. And that, I, I, I absolutely agree. That That's like gold. Uh, it, it's, I hate that it's so haphazard and it's so you know zapier you go looking for a particular kind of integration you may or you may not find it may not exist but I, so i hate the, the haphazard nature of it and that some apps that i really like to use aren't integrated in zapier or anything else they're they're really standalone so that that's a you know it's a, an annoyance and it's a pain in the butt but i agree with you and 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 i wish there were more uniformity you know there was a a standard around developing APIs and even a requirement that before you put an API out in the public, sorry, before you put an app out in the public that you've already made provision for the APIs in the back end. that it, it's almost a, a requirement. I, I hope it will get to that at some point because I hate finding a new app and then realizing I got to wait a year for it to talk to the other apps that I use. I find that terribly restricting. And then from a convenience point of view, but also from a, a defect point of view, because now I have to be the one who moves the data from one place to the other. And that's where I can make a mistake because I forget, or I transfer it incorrectly, or it gets corrupted along the way. So the, having the automatic connection make, takes away the defect. So if, for me, it meets the standard of, of being more productive it's something I want to have.
1: Yeah, and this is why i've i 've over time come to the solution that an all in one productivity system that is in the in the strict definition of software that is bundling all of these pieces together the the browser ends up being the primary tool and the best tool for a number of different reasons to overcome some of the challenges you 're really facing Francis uh, one on any desktop environment, not any desktop environment at least on at least on Windows and Mac OS, we have the ability to have uh, both clipping tools, that is tools that take text on, that you type or copy and pulls it onto the clipboard and then allows you to be able to use that, te- that, that data from one system to another uh, exists today. Uh, so, you know, there are lots of, uh, while Mac doesn't have this built into it, uh, Mac OS doesn't have it built into it. You can actually install, Easy, quick, free tools like Clip Menu. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That allows you to clip um, and remember multiple clipped pieces of content, so that you're able to copy data from one place to another very easily. And um, you know, multiple um, histories later, that is, you know, I can clip something three times ago and find that thing and then clip that into another place. So that's one piece for me is moving data between those tools easily and it remembering uh, a history of those a log of those um of those clips um next is moving data between tools without a tool like zapier or ift because that does depend upon the api of some software developer and potentially some security risks of them um opening an api uh, and so on and so forth. So there's there's that issue of of database integration across the web, and um, that is solved by what are called web browser automation software. And this is a an additional tool that gives us the ability to be able to automate what is in uh, in the browser. And, uh, and so the most popular one I know of is called iMacros, and iMacros is a, basically a scripting language that allows you to be able to record macros, just like maybe some of you know what Visual Basic is on the, on the Windows system. You're able to record macros to make things happen. iMacros gives you that ability in the web browser to be able to look at data and then automate that Across the uh, you know across the system, so that then gives you the same tool that you know when I do this in Google Calendar, then I want you to do this in Evernote and so on and so forth, and it's all browser-based. Uh, then there's the other kind of side to this, which are which are really like the text expanders and other types of automation tools across the system, and um, which gives you the ability to have greater power with regard to. Not just templates, but actually executing things. I think of Alfred on the macOS system. Uh, I think of ActiveWords. ActiveWords, yes, thank you very much. Uh, which is a fantastic tool um, built by the inimitable Buzz Bergman, and uh, and so we have all of these various tools that allow us to be able to put this together. To your point, Francis, it becomes it's messier. It's a little bit more difficult to put together. It's a little bit more complex, and that increases difficulty as well. But ultimately, having a personal productivity system that is bespoke, that is unique to you, I think is far more important. It's much more difficult to implement at scale. But if you yourself are interested in doing this, I think it makes sense, and it's worth the investment of time to make it work for you so that there is a level of automation to the convenience level, as well as to the understanding of your style and productive needs. I always think of it from the perspective that there are just ways in which I work that nobody else does, at least not in, in the large swath of things. So for example, I like auto filtering, where I bring specific content to the foreground at, at the right time and location for me. That's not something that any tool can no maybe machine learning will get there and all those kinds of things but it requires looking across multiple tools and understanding me in the in the individual level not on the aggregate level and that really requires it to consolidate a lot of data right so it needs to aggregate across many different systems for me but then be very very uh you know unique in how it delivers that content to me that's something that just doesn't exist yet and as much as any one all-in-one productivity system based tool uh, uh you know can see all of that data they're just not doing it yet and so that's really important um other things that i think of are uh I want to bring together the specific functionality I want and no more. And so I really don't like having tools that are uh, baked into a tool that I may not use. So for example, uh, there's no way on God's great creation that I'm going to have uh, and use Outlook's journaling tool. You know, I'm just not going to journal in my in that system. And, uh, and you know, I don't want it tied in. And to some great extent to what you said earlier, Francis, it's kind of a distraction to have your reflection tool in the same space as your calendar and tasks and projects. The other part is that Outlook doesn't actually have a very good project management functionality. It's really great for task management, but how do you really archetype a project in Outlook? It doesn't have it. And so now you're like, okay, well, this is supposed to be my all-in-one productivity system and it's missing a big chunk of it. So now I need to go to Microsoft Project or I need to plan this out in SharePoint or someplace else. And that's a problem for me. Uh, And so there is a convenience factor there. And last is communications. I want to be able to communicate with people the way that I want to be communicated with and the way they want to be communicated with and... Outlook really only manages uh, communications uh, in via email. Really, I mean, they have functions for being able to add in some chat-based stuff, and they're integrating more Teams, uh, you know, stuff there, and they've got add-ins for Slack and uh, other pieces there. But in reality, it just doesn't have those that that feeling of a a of a seamless communications uh, uh, platform. Caked into it, and so because it's the dominant tool out there in the all-in-one productivity system world, I really, I really find it to be lacking in that sense.
2: I, I agree. I, I think that a part of it comes from the mind of the developer. I find that I, I, the, the more I think this way, the more I see this particular problem. That if you're familiar with the jobs to be done sort of line of thinking, it says that you start with the problem the user has, the, the frustration, uh, the thing they're trying to do badly with, use, without your tool or the thing they're trying to use badly with a competitor's tool or the thing they're trying to do badly on their own. And you start to understand that deeply enough that you design the tool so that it meets the, the gap that they're experiencing on a daily basis or the, the frustration or the thing that's missing and i think that the the most apps that i come across most especially the all in ones they're more des- they're more designed from the point of view of of a developer thinking wouldn't this be cool if we also had and when you start off with that line of thinking it 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 boosts the the value of, or the importance of convenience and it 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 goes down a sort of a rabbit hole of what's interesting or what can be done from a technical point of view. And it, it imagines all these scenarios that and I think this is why the Palm, the Palm Pilot became a smartphone is developers said, wouldn't it be cool if the camera, yeah, yeah, wouldn't it be cool? They, they weren't trying to, to solve a, a nagging, important problem. I think we retrofit and you know we, we try to use what they give us. We try to turn some things off. We try to even put friction in where friction wasn't supposed to be. We limit features. We, we try to hide browser tabs because we don't want to be distracted. We, we, we're running behind the design trying to fix it. But I think the problem is a developer problem. I think developers are, are in that frame of mind of the cool factor rather than really diving hard into what the users are actually doing and what their frustrations are.
1: As we grow deeper and deeper into the technological world, that is, into the digital age, we have to remember that developers are our first-line stewards of society. I really fundamentally believe that, that we must remember that everything they decide becomes a downstream aggregate Mm -hmm. culture and we need to we need to um, not just uh, rail against developers, but we need to give developers appropriate standards and support to be able to create technology that enables society to be better, and understanding that what they do actually has all of these really profound aggregate um, downstream uh, both benefits you know positive and negative consequences. And uh, we need to really think about that as societies um, around the world and um, and start to legislate on that level, as opposed to legislating on the, oh gosh, people are now smashing into each other because they're looking at their phones. We should have thought about how this works on the societal level, on the, on the cultural level first, and then made software to solve the problems. I think that is um, economically feasible, economically um, beneficial to us all, and- it makes us all better humans.
2: An impact study or assessment that you had to do um, before releasing new software. You know the way the way uh, uh, my father was an environmentalist, and they used, they do his company does environmental impact assessment because it's you know it's what happens if you put this building in that blocks the river. You know they, they, that's kind of very big and very obvious. But what you just said is not very. Obvious, but it's just as big. Um, and there's a, a kind of thinking that developers should do. I, I just mentioned that we should we should probably have a whole show on this topic because I think we are we're not developers, but we are in that Speak for gap. yourself. <laughs> really, you're the you're the developer. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just a hobbyist. <laughs> we're we 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 hold the space between productivity, usage, and developers. We're, we're in that gap in between. And it's an uncomfortable place to be because not everyone likes hanging out in this weird space that we're in. But we're trying to get things to work that make a difference. You're so right. What you said is so, so, so true.
0: It is interesting what we put it in there, but it's also, you know, I don't, I don't know when, when I hear the first time this fear of missing out. Okay, FOMO, and but it was long enough to, and I have never thought about make the relationship, but I think it's part of the problem is we move in the, te- the speed that moves the technology. It's heavily fueled by that fear of missing out, and the productivity just got, you know, run in the middle of that because it comes to the point where, okay, what if we add, you know, bell, fill in the blank for bells and whistles. But nobody's really thinking, okay, how this is going to be useful. You know, I was having a discussion with a developer last weekend, and the discussion was on tags. And if their tags should be for individual use or for the team use. And then when you go to the project level, those tags should also be at project level for team and individual. And, Yes, we can make the argument why that will be cool, but also what we don't think is we think, okay, that will be cool, let's implement, but we don't think, okay, how cumbersome then that will make the interface, number one, and number two, how useful that will be for for the people. And I will argue that in the spirit of solve a problem that may not even be a massive one, then we go into this rabbit hole and then now we let you know all these things happen that may not be needed to happen and that we may be okay in the way we were before so how much is really needed to to get to that or to not get to that it's it is it may be a good question to to ask do really do we need all these features or do we, do we don't do we, we, are we adding features to add features or we are adding features to solve really significant problem and I will guess that in many cases it's about solving tiny bits not thinking on the effect that adding that feature to solve that tiny bit will have on the rest of the ecosystem
1: yeah and I, I always uh, think about it from the perspective that an interface that any uh, designer creates in an in software should be able to be turned off. And uh, so that if I have a feature that I don't want, I should be able to turn off that feature, whether or not you think it's important to me. And I, I think these are the kinds of things that while a developer or designer of software may think is going to help people because they're solving their own potential problem or the problems they perceive of others until it's out there in the, in the wild, they're not going to get a perception of reality that can actually help me the individual. So give me the function to be able to turn things on and off means me as the individual, I as the individual have the, have the power. And I think resting power from developers back into the hands of users is sometimes the wrong way to look at it, it, it's like we need to have a, a simpatico, we need to have symbiosis between what we can do as individual users and what developers can develop for us that will be useful for us. You know, there are good behavioral interventions in software that help us be, be more productive and help us, you know, have more powerful systems. But it really does require us to think through how each of us interacts with, with software and how the software is developed as well. Yeah,
2: case in point. Ray and I were on a call with a, a community platform software company a few weeks ago. And if, if, we had a, if we had our way, I suppose that what we would do as, as the community hosts is turn off 90% for the new user, turn off 90% or hide it of, of what they, they, they think you need, what they think a new user needs. We turn off 90% of it and somebody who comes in could only do one thing or two things and as they progress and get more or more, more uh facility and more skill you would reveal gradually reveal more features or unconceal them you know you, you they'd be there but they just wouldn't know that they're there and they wouldn't have access to them so effectively they wouldn't would be able to use them it just makes so so such obvious sense but in the call that we had i i, I again i had the sense that they were Just kind of throwing features out there to kind of see what happens next. But there was no overall impact assessment of what happens when a new user comes in and sees an interface with 60 buttons. Because Outlook is a great example. You know, who needs all that stuff to see all that stuff in Outlook? Like, one super user out of a thousand needs to see all that stuff. They even understand it. Most of us, you know, look at the screen and there's too many, too many things that we can push. Too many buttons. Like going into a a, a cockpit of of an airplane. You know, the the, the naive person, like I think, I don't think any of us fly, but we go into a cockpit and we're like, oh my God, there's too many buttons. And any one of them could crash the plane is the thought. And you immediately feel this feeling of overwhelm and anxiety. And I think just clever design on behalf of designers who are thinking through the things we're all talking about would make things so much easier. I think, aren't there a game? There are. There are game designers who do this. They, 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 they unlock, fe- not features, but uh, they unlock powers. Mm-hmm. They unlock powers and assets and um, uh, different things you can do at different levels. And people love that. They love that. They don't want to be able to access all of them at the very beginning because now you've got to study 50 things just in order to move from point A to point B. So they're very good at, at parceling out uh, features or experiences depending on your level. If that thinking could be transferred to Outlook or to the community designer that we talked about or other software, that would be, that would be so powerful.
1: Yeah, and I think I think this is a a ripe for its own discussion, and we we should probably talk about how developers can really steward great technology and inclusive inclusive of things like game design, uh, because some of these features can be used for good or for ill, and we need to have appropriate policy and understanding of of that power that really is in uh, the hands of good developers and good universe uh, and good. Uh, user experience designers uh, in software that we use today so i want to thank you gentlemen for uh, this discussion it's been really great and uh, we are coming to our time uh, to close up together so while we are at the end of our discussion the conversation doesn't stop here if you have a question or comment about what we've discussed during this cast please visit our episode page on productivitycast.net they're on the podcast website at the bottom of the page of the episode Feel free to leave a comment or question. We read and respond if needed to every comment or question that comes across our way. And um, by the way, uh, to get to any Productivity Cast episode fast, simply add the three digit episode number to the end of productivitycast.net forward slash. So episode one is productivitycast.net forward slash zero zero one. Episode two is productivitycast.net forward slash 002, and so on. While I'm at it, if you have a topic about personal productivity you'd like us to discuss on a future cast, please visit productivitycast.net forward slash contact. You can leave a voice recorded message or type us a message, and we'll maybe feature it in a future episode. I want to express my thanks to Augusta Pinaud and Francis Wade for joining me here on Productivity Cast each week. You can learn more about them and their work by visiting... Productivitycast.net too. Just click on Who We Are. Um, I'm Ray Sidney Smith, and on behalf of all of us at Productivity Cast, here's to your productive life.
0: That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity, with your hosts Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.